0: For February 12th, 2018, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 502, the thought, the word, and the deed. Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are like your smart, funny friends from the internet. We're never happier than when we're hanging out, uh, talking together about the things that we enjoy. The movies, TV, music, and more uh, that we love. We love it so much more when we can chat about it with each other and with you. I'm Matt Rather. I am here with fellow overthinkers Pete Fenzel. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. And Mark Lee. Hey, Mark. Hey, Matthew. And this week, love is in the air. If, yeah. uh, if it had only <laughs> been, uh, the week in which Valentine's Day happened, Dianu, if it, uh, if it had only been, uh, the week that Valentine's Day happened and 50 Shades Free, the, uh, the ultimate or climactic installment in the uh, the 50 shades trilogy of movie adaptations of the 50 shades trilogy of quote unquote novels uh Dayenu. if uh you know if the 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 new york times had not taken upon itself uh had taken upon itself to to publish a uh big um Kind of hand ringy think piece about porn education in our schools, dienu. and if the Olympics had not happened, and if you don 't know but the uh, after the after they 're done competing, the Olympic village is a den of debauchery, and they cannot hand out the uh, they cannot hand out the birth control devices fast enough uh, well it's it 's all transpired into a big white. Love explosion, like the snow coursing down the mountain and, and, uh, you know, I'm shooting out from the, shooting out from the double entendre. And, uh, and guys, I'm so glad that you are my Valentines to talk about, uh, <laughs> to talk about this, this great, this great love explosion that, uh, that is happening now. Now, um, I just, I just want to make sure n- none of the three of us has seen a uh, a Fifty Shades film is that is that correct?
1: We are celebrating ten years of overthinking it by having a podcast about a movie that none of us have seen. That is correct. We've not done this in a long time.
2: <laughs> I, I, just to be clear, I personally believe in abstinence when it comes to Fifty Shades of Grey <laughs> material. <laughs> just
0: no, I mean, you know what? Children are going to experiment with. I mean, not not even children. Well, the, these days, maybe you got you got. Shodi's having fan fiction, but the, uh. <laughs> you know teenagers are going to experiment with Fifty Shades of Grey just out of curiosity if nothing if nothing else and and uh, you know a, a rigorously uh, abstinence focused Fifty Shades of Grey education policy is likely to leave our children without the, uh, the literary tools of understanding uh, when they need the most in those crucial awkward situations where you're reading Fifty Shades of Grey and any word is written in any any one of those uh, in any one of those books yeah that Pete that was the, the point I was trying to draw out which is that it has been a while I mean one of the stalwart thing, one of the the mainstays of the podcast in its early days was when we would talk about films uh, let's call them speculatively you know let's call those episodes kind of speculative reviews or speculative analysis of those uh, of those movies that that we didn't see and uh it's something that that amused us to no end i think it it amused the people in the audience who were kind of in on the joke and we also got some angry comments in our uh on our podcast page on itunes and the apple or in the apple podcast app on phones about that so hey you know uh go rate us and comment in the apple podcast app if you don't like that we're talking about a uh talking about a movie that uh that we haven't seen um so so uh I I don't even I don't even really know how to begin. It mm-hmm. can be awkward to instigate a conversation <laughs> about uh 50 shades of gray. So let me ask you Pete, uh do you enthusiastically consent to talk about the uh 50 shades yes. uh series? Yes. I'm glad. Yes. I, I'm glad. Yes. So so do I. That's so, good. I'm so, glad that we're both on the
1: Can I start us off with something Matt because there's something about 50 shades of gray that really grinds my gears. Uh and it's it's a it's a measure it is a facet of the raid that is aimed at Fifty Shades of Grey that really irks me, and I would like to express it and see what you guys think about it. Is that, is that all right with you? Please. All right. I, so, yes, I, yes, you have my permission. So, yes, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, and so when people talk about Fifty Shades of Grey on the internet in particular, one thing that I frequently hear is people making extrapolations about what a person might want in their actual life based on the widespread popularity of Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, I want to clarify, I never want to drive a Dodge Challenger (laughs) through a concrete wall. (laughs) And over a highway overpass, flinging my body into the vast emptiness so as to catch my future wife and fall 20 feet with her onto the roof of another car. Like, I never have any intention of that happening. And yes, I delight. I delight in movies that depict such things. Right. Uh, And that that is an extreme example. But I think that uh, obviously I don't even drive my car fast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and I love the Fast and the Furious movies. The idea that people there's there's a couple of levels of abstraction that separate the events that are in 50 shades of gray from the way that you would behave with people that you are intimately involved with in your actual life, whether it is like committed or casual. And I would call upon the world to acknowledge and respect and honor those levels of abstraction and separation. And I don't want to hear things like, well, Fifty Shades of Grey is so popular. Of course, women want men to be dominant. And I laugh at this and I and I get angry at it. But even this New York Times article that you sent around about pornography expresses this feeling where the the boys, they look at the pornography and they say, oh, well, a woman clearly wants me to act like this. And it's like, look, you know, it's a fantasy <laughs> Uh let's let's acknowledge let's understand that fantasy and reality are different. Uh, and I feel like having a serious conversation about Fifty Shades of Grey, much like having a serious conversation about Doom or Duke Nukem or the insane clown posse or Marilyn Manson requires you to build some sort of level of abstraction between the thing that is being depicted and the behavior and the lives and the preferences of the people that enjoy it. So I just want to throw that out there as kind of an initial precept. No, talking no, no, about no, no,
0: no, no, you're, you're absolutely wrong. You're 100% what? incorrect. This is completely false, right? Like, uh, you know, a Marilyn Manson is a thing. B there have been school shootings. Therefore C all men are Socrates, right? <laughs> <laughs> now that's what I call a syllogism. <laughs> <laughs> that is a, yeah, that is a permeating syllogism, huh? Um, yeah, exactly. That's that well right. And that eh, yes. Yes, uh, I think the point of the the New York Times article is a little more was a little more profound than that though though it did seem to depict the kids as as being a little bit unsophisticated in the absence of grown ups i mean and we're talking about teenagers right like young adults being very insophisticated in the absence of grown ups telling them uh you know what the reality status of the media in their lives uh, is and that's that's probably not the case, but I think the point you know if if I may make the point better than the author did, it's that in the absence of information uh in the absence of comprehensive sex education done either by families you know reliably or by schools or by you know priests or what i mean whatever you know whoever you think should do something like that in the absence of information, people will take information where they can get it, and that is you know in in the case of um in the case of, uh, uh you know, young people, teenagers, and sex a, a lot of porn because it's hyper available and uh, completely ungated, you know, accessible to anybody and, and like explicit at a level that makes the, uh, that makes the, the, you know, theatrical release of the Fifty Shades movies look like a, uh, I don't know, look like, like something done during the Haze like code, right? like
1: a book adaptation for middle aged people. Yeah, exactly.
0: That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, for, exactly. At, okay, for sure.
2: At, at, at the risk of stating the really obvious, right? You know, there, uh, Granted, there are a lot of parallels between hand ringing about sex and Fifty Shades of Grey and hand ringing about violence and say the doom and violent video games and hand ringing about, I don't know, what the occult and Marilyn Manson. Um, the key difference, though, being that um, sex uh, is unique about the taboo and the level of privacy and shame associated with it. Whereas with violence, um, you know, you have a whole legacy of extremely violent action movies, which are very much in the mainstream and available in cable. I and mean, the whole family will watch around, will gather on the TV to watch at seven thirty at night. Um, and I don't know the occult uh, it, it. Well, there's just plenty of public discourse around it. Um, and, you know, I don't know Ozzy Osbourne bat, biting the heads off of bats was the thing like in the, in the eighties. And, um, you know, there's, there's again, just not the same amount of privacy and shame associated with it. So, You know, yes, helpful analogy to have, but also, you know, important to distinguish a little bit with what's going on in sex and and porn and fetishes, right?
1: I mean, we should also acknowledge that this is an American phenomenon. I don't think we should assume that everywhere, even in the industrialized world, I shouldn't even say it. I hate the term industrialized world, by the way. The idea of developed nations needs to be revisited just because the economic changes in the last 20 years have been so profound. But in places in, say, the the OECD, America is somewhat unique in its attitudes about public depiction and conversations around nudity and sex, and especially with respect to how much more common it is for children at least from our generation, from the millennial generation. Uh, and then maybe maybe what we're seeing now is a reversion to the mean, where the ratio of sex has, has been rising to match the ratio of violence. Whereas, of course, I come from the generation where we go to the video store and it's like, can we get an R-rated movie? Sure, but only if it's for violence, not if it's for sex. All right, um, so yeah, so I understand what you're saying. I also understand that sex is not bad and shooting people is bad. I would say the conditions under which shooting people are good is good is a much narrower uh, and maybe <laughs> questionable at all kind of set of circumstances uh, relative to the circumstances of having sex with another person, wherein they're actually, believe it or not, despite the world, there's are still very broad, acceptable ranges of situations where you can have fun sex with people and it's fine. So like, let's not panic and freak out about everybody, you know, about losing this side of ourselves because it's still very present and available. Uh, it's it's it 's good you know um to have that thing in your life because it 's not going away and it 's not murdering people, so there 's that dimension to it too. All I was saying, mark in, with regards to that
0: is <laughs> that is that is overthinking it 's officially endorsed review of fifty <laughs> shades free it 's not going away, and it 's not murdering people
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean clearly there's some sort of built up pressure. That when this thing came out, it was so huge and exploded so much.
0: Right? <laughs> we're just never right? the, the whole hour. We're not going to get sick of these jokes, are we? <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, it, it, this is. I guess we we to to bring Fifty Shades into further specific focus. Fifty Shades is a emerged from fan fiction about Twilight that got rid of the fact that they were vampires and but played with similar sorts of power dynamics and. Built a community of, of sort of mutual support and some would say sort of politically savvy, sometimes manipulative support to build this kind of fan fiction uh, junta online that that. Ec- Uh, sort of voted up and amplified and uh, sort of avalanched this particular story above all the other stories that could serve a similar purpose to the point where it becomes the one that's socially acceptable for people to read, the one that's available, the one that you don't have to go to a crazy sex place in order to get, or even a crazy sex website. You could go to a bookstore and get
2: it. Not not even crazy sex website, but like uh, the... the The online fan fiction places where this stuff percolates a lot, right? Yeah, well, Kirk's box slash fic has been on the internet for a very long time, and you don't have to go there to get that anymore. You just go to Barnes and Noble.
1: Well, right, exactly, which is where I'm sure everybody's going to get their Barnes and Nobles, by the way, are great. If you still have one near you, I I went to my Barnes and Noble for the first time in like seven years and it was awesome. It's just as good as you remember. So I highly recommend (laughs) Barnes
2: and
1: Noble stores. Uh, They're still going with the green. They haven't changed. It's great. Uh, So but yes, but it's like so that's the other side of it. So the one thing I wanted to say about Fifty Shades of Grey is and maybe there's more to say on this. Maybe there isn't like let's. Let's acknowledge that there are levels of abstraction between what gives people pleasure to consider or to sort of symbolically interpret or to uh, hear told as a story versus what would give them pleasure or what they would prefer to have happen in their life. Uh, with the people around them, these are these are different things. There is a an interpolation that takes place uh, that separates these two things. They're not the same. So if you are worried, oh man, does everybody? I don't understand. I don't have any information. People, Fifty Shades of Grey is really popular. Does that mean I should kidnap my employees and lock them in my hotel room? No, don't do that. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> not that that's what happens in the story. I haven't read it, but uh, but the point being that like that's it's not like that's what people secretly necessarily really want. It's just that there are there are responses to reading it and symbolism that you know associates with other psychological phenomena. so that's all one side. But the other thing that you were bringing up is it, it gives people pleasure. It makes people happy uh, right and and maybe not in the eudaimonia sense, but uh, but you know in the sense of like a long enduring and satisfying happiness, but you know, in a pleasure sense, to engage with this stuff, and it's a human hunger and a human need to be to be around this stuff. And so let's not pretend that that's not part of our experience. So,
0: so Pete, at the risk of being a weird internet commenter person and being like, wow, you know, you've, you've you've said something contradictory. I mean, you haven't said something contradictory, but that is a, I mean, on the one hand, it's not what people want. And on the other hand, it is what people want to watch right or to right. Th- to think about or to sort of to sort of fantasize about, and like i I think that that we get into a lot of trouble when we collapse those things into into one another right you're saying that right like uh you're you're and and i think we're saying <laughs> I think we're saying the same thing, but we're going at it from different ends as it were, but the right the uh the um <laughs> you're welcome the uh the whole uh, I'll, I'll, I'll i'll overthink to
1: you and then you overthink to me and as long as we're considerate and mutual about it i think we'll end up having a satisfying
0: experience yeah exactly it's not like we have to you know yeah i mean it's it's unrealistic to expect that that we'll overthink together um the uh right like i i think you're saying that it's it 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 is stupid to argue at least this, this is at least one of the facets I'm taking away from, from what you're saying. It is stupid to argue that people want to do the kinds of things that are depicted in the 50 shades of gray movies because they are interested in the 50 shades of gray movies. Maybe some do, maybe some don't, but it doesn't necessarily, follow. yeah, it doesn't necessarily follow. Absolutely. in 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 any sense. And if you are, you know, uh, if you're some, you know, I don't know, forum troll somewhere. And it's like, well, all, all the women want to be kidnapped in my hotel room. Right. And like, uh, uh, I don't know to 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 uh, get grabbed from my my uh, I don't know my uh, sports car jump over the ravine and land on another car like all <laughs> women want that. Um,
1: uh, it's pretty clear that what the army should be engaging in is some GI Joe retaliation.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: like,
0: no, it's not real. It's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> cars cars can't fly, but what if they kind of could? <laughs> right? No, it's not. Right? That that's. Uh, you know, I should dig in the backyard of my own town in order to
1: find the crazy veins of interdimensional monster juice that clearly underlie my corrupt society. Right? It's uh, the, the strangest thing of all is that it's just dirt down there. There's nothing else. <laughs> right? Like,
2: <that's... laughs>
0: um, Sorry. I, I guess. I like, I, I, no, no. I, well, I mean, that's you know, it's uh, you, you, uh, you do you, boo. Um... <laughs> Uh, the, the point, the kind of angle that I want to come at it, uh, at from is, um, is that like, I, I am in favor of increasing the amount of mental representative psychological space people have to think about. Things that are maybe not, you know, the things that they would like to practice in their life or maybe aren't even good things, you know, setting aside uh the kind of light S&M in, in it's oh, by the way, it's always described in in movie reviews and in in journalists as light S&M in the uh, light BDSM in the thing, which leads me to believe that, like, journalists must be into some heavy BDSM (laughs) because what's in these movies probably, like, you know, clocks in at a six or seven, uh, just judging by what's in the trailer, uh, which, let me repeat, is all any of us has ever seen. Um, You know, then then, uh, what the vast majority of people must get up to in their private lives. But, like... um, I you know I think that like I I I think it would be good for the intellectual life of the culture and probably also like the psychological health of the culture if we had more room a- across a whole range of discourses cultural discourses to experiment with ideas right without necessarily being uh lumped in with a group, you know, or without necessarily being kind of morally accountable in the same way that we are for our actions in this kind of, this, this sort of, I don't know, I associated with Catholicism just because that's the religion I was raised with, where to a certain extent, the kind of the thought, the word and the deed are all of a piece, right? And, you know, the thought, the word and the deed are not are not the same thing right like each each belongs to its own realm and each has its own kind of uh different rules of engagement as it were and that that like um you know so that like uh let's let's not Uh, I don't know. Let's not let's not say that that, um, you know, that all the people who are interested in the who are interested in the racy movies want uh, racy sex lives themselves. And let's also not necessarily discount the idea of people wanting to of people wanting to watch racy movies or like or or yet be too knowing about what what it means that that people do, which I think is your I think it's the point that you're trying to make. um, I think it's the point that you're trying to make, but looked at from a slightly different angle.
1: Yeah, I I, I think that it's just a precondition to considering this stuff. If you go into the so we might as well because there might be people listening to this podcast who really aren't familiar with this stuff at all. And I don't want to get into nitty gritty per se, but it's probably worth flushing out a little bit what BDSM is. Right. It's it's bondage with dominant submission, play sadomasochism, which refers to role playing in a sexual context where one person is bossy and another person isn't bossy. And uh, and also where people inflict pain on each other, like deliberately for sexual gratification to right? a great, for, yeah,
0: to a, to a greater, lesser extent. And also, yeah. like, do things like tie each other up or, or yeah, it's a it's a wide know, range like that. Right. You know? It's like
1: a wide range of experiences that are associated with these feelings that are. You can almost think of them as kind of uh, feelings that are associated with, uh, they're like flavors, right? It's like they're feelings that are associated with other feelings that you might think of as more intuitively connected with sexuality. If this is new to you or strange or different, right, and you're not used to this, it's really just sort of like a variation Uh, That is supposed to make the experience kind of feel different that people kind of might have different tastes they might like it or dislike it. There are certainly kind of like lifestyles associated with it we don't need to get into that stuff. But the point is that like the more that you actually get into that stuff. Now not that I have a whole ton but you know I talk to a lot of people and I try to learn their experiences and stuff and I'm sure they would share the same thing the more the clear clarity that this is not real is, like, very, very much emphasized. You know, you have to have rules. Everybody has to kind of figure out what the boundaries are. You have to be, like, super-duper hypersensitive to people consenting to everything that they're doing, even to a greater degree than people moan about in, like, regular, you know, not, I want to say regular, but, like, more familiar, common sorts of activities. More average, yeah,
0: more average sorts of experience.
1: If you were to go down this rabbit hole in your life, you would find it to be uh, more distinguished between fantasy and reality, not less. Yeah, right? and also right, right, would, would exactly. Widen, right?
0: And and the, yeah. the the you would be shocked by the uh, the ratio <laughs> between <laughs> you know discussion and activity, right? Like, yes, yes, yes. But People are careful;
1: they take care of each other. I mean, you know, not always, obviously, but it's like a part of. Part of the levels of abstraction in dealing with the fact that the the differences between what people enjoy in in their kind of thinking and feeling versus what they enjoy in their doing and being, uh,
0: right, is is uh,
1: needs to be uh, navigated, and communication is very important. But, but and,
0: yeah, I think that's I, I think that's right. I also think that the actual lived experience of people who are into, uh, you know, who are into SNM as a lifestyle. Right, mm-hmm. like uh, has almost nothing to do with these movies in there. <laughs> That's true. That's and, a really and, good point. And they probably pop- present the association. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, I'll bet they do. And I, you know, I'll bet like if you googled, you would find you know half a dozen medium articles with you know a lot of claps or spanks or whatever they like. Uh,
1: <laughs> called... They use likes just like everybody else because Facebook has conquered everything. So
0: <laughs> um, that based on you know based on uh, that premise that like you know our community. Community, you know, is like careful, sustainable, respectful uh, and, um, you know, and we we feel uh, protective of it. And we don't like the fact that this sort of uh, mainstreaming, uh, you know, sort of trivializing media, um, you know, kind of absent any sort of any sort of context uh, any sort of context is, is all out there. I don't know. Le- yeah, exactly. Like, I, I, um, but, but then, so, like, I, so, I, I feel like to a certain extent, cause we're talking about, Mainstream representations of these things. Like, look, I'm no prude by any stretch of the imagination, but there are a bunch of like racy billboards all around town, uh, in here in LA for this movie with, you know, the, the, the titular couple in various states of undress. Um, you know, because I feel like, uh, uh, he's, he's gray and her name in the movie is 50 shades or something. Um, and there's a, the, no, right? she's freed,
1: she's freed, oh, Freedlander, freed, uh,
0: no, no, it's 50 and she's <laughs> freed. Yeah. they can, oh, that's right. You're right. That's it. And Freelander. there can only be one, uh, orgasm because multiple orgasms uh. are not possible. The, um, the, the, and, and like, I'm a little, I mean this is not you can't really hang it uh, uh you can't lay it all at the doorstep of of this particular film, but I feel like the kind of what what is what does relate to the actual uh the actual practice of like the kinky communities of of various types uh is that kind of in in a search for new kinds of sensation right um in a search for kind of new market opportunities for kind of avenues of of visual presentation that haven't been completely cashed out by in our, you know, uh, uh, visually saturated and sort of uh, exhausted media landscape, right? Like we sort of start to plumb these different these different things. It's like a, it's like a, uh, it's like colonizing a small country, right? And like exploiting its, uh, natural resources and, and labor force. Um, a smaller country anyway, right? And, and that value is being extracted, uh, is being extracted from these communities. The, the way that these things work is that they become sort of more extreme, right? Like the sort of the level of sensation required to achieve the same effect, to, to stand out in a, a crowded marketplace of, of visual marketing is to get more and more, um, you know, is to get more and more... Uh, explicit and to, to basically have like you know people tying each other up and and uh, and doing some uh, doing some foreplay type stuff um, before the uh, you know on a on a billboard right outside of school <laughs> you know and and I'm not uh, as I say I'm I'm certainly no prude but like I, I sort of wonder about the trade offs of that and that's that's actually what uh, interested me about this um, about this New York Times article and if you if you haven't seen it or if you don't read the the Sunday New York Times um, like I do, is as, as sort of a you know ritual at a diner with coffee and and uh, you know eggs and and sausages and whatnot. The the uh, uh, the magazine had a uh, feature this week about um, some efforts that were being made to uh, efforts that are being made in various case, uh, in various places to educate to do some sort of Understanding porn education, the contention probably oversimplified being that that teenagers are getting too much of their information about sex from from porn, which leads to all kinds of bad outcomes um, uh, across a lot of dimensions of of uh, a lot of dimensions of life and experience um, for you know young adults as they you know mature and try to figure stuff out for themselves um and that i mean it's it's interesting i but i was like i feel like there's there's something that i maybe hasn't been studied enough or maybe hasn't been addressed, but I feel like uh, getting them getting that at when they're teenagers is, you know, is too late I I talked before about on the podcast about someone, uh, a a friend of mine who has a, a, uh, like a sixth grader uh, or a fifth grader or something like that, who ended up seeing porn on the internet and being ended up being like really drawn into it um, because it's this like overwhelming shocking uh source of of uh, you know source of sort of sensation right and like there's no context and it sort of totally blows out the affective capacity of kids it's more than their circuits can handle uh you know intellectually relationally emotionally like just the level of affect is is uh, too too much and like the it's it's all well and good to sort of um It's all well and good to have a curriculum for 16 year olds that like, hey, you know, uh, porn is this sort of largely male point of view that doesn't depict any kind of realistic partnership, any sort of mutual satisfaction, any, anything that anyone might actually enjoy. You, you included, uh, young man, right? But the, that, that like the, the, probably the real damage is done. Um, earlier on, on developing brains. And I feel like there is, you know, um, I, I, don't see a, I don't see a discourse culturally about the trade-offs of this that is not, you know, either religious moralism, Victorian pearl-clutching, hand-wringing, you know, poudre, or, um, or the opposite sort of, you know, super-libertarian... Uh, view and i am shocked that in this day and age a uh, controversial and difficult conversation has become polarized in the national debate <laughs> it is it is interesting
1: i think i'm really connecting with what you're saying here about sensation and degrees of sensation right and i think it's worth noting that you have there's there's like a fractal quality to some of this In that you have a sensation that gets amplified by it being kind of prohibited and transgressive just because of the nature of how the discourse around it works. And I'm just sort of talking broadly here about um, like pornographic entertainments in a a broad sense Uh, that that this idea and, and I would define this as a. Uh, you know, as as wholly sensational is the, is the goal, right? That that I would define these these entertainments as being wholly concerned with sensation and inspiring sensation in a transactional manner is is how, is how I would it would think about the distinction. And of course, it's never hundred percent, zero percent. Sometimes there's a nice little opening story about pizza we hear sometimes, right? But uh, but the idea that like uh, pizza is great, pizza is another thing that gives people pleasure, which is also good. But this idea that there is powerful sensation at work here and that merely prohibiting it does not rob it of its power or really change it in much of a way because it's already prohibited by nature of what you're looking at like like the idea of prohibition is already worked into so much of this sort of thing it doesn't necessarily have to be but it totally is it's so wrong it's so bad people are so mean and so cruel to each other and there's these like power relationships that feed into so many of these things that are so forbidden and in real life would be such terrible ideas and uh And it's it's all so pervasive in the styles that seems so, for lack of a better word, dominant these days that I think it's it's it it's time for better ways. And you probably had them in the past and kind of lost them. Something about this, these sort of. the way that the snake of the social media landscape has finally encircled the earth and grabbed onto its own tail with its teeth. And there's really no hidden place to go anymore. Like there used to be kind of hidden places to go on the internet where you could have kind of isolated conversations that weren't really part of the kind of broader scope of online discourse. And I kind of feel like that's going away as we see kind of sure. small independent places. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: And that's like, I mean, you know, where are the overthinking at forums? Where are they, you know? But yeah. that, you know, as the, right, as the, the small, Players, the kind of the independent players get gobbled up, and as uh, you know, uh, global forms of, of social media. I'm thinking of Twitter in, in particular because it's used for this kind of thing a lot, and I associate it with a with a certain kind of uh, you know look at this assholeism. Um, have the have the ability to kind of pinpoint and amplify uh, discussions that were that were hidden, right? Like you might not make it to the eighth page of a you know of a forum. On- on whatever topic, but someone can link directly to it in a tweet and, and, you know, some verified person and, and all of a sudden you are, uh, you know, all of a sudden you are, uh, you have the, the, the spotlight of the internet. Yeah. Uh, the shine, eye of shine. Sauron
1: does that little shimmy and that red, uh, bl- red speck of light of the landscape swivels from Ozgiliath Gilead towards your current position, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. Ah, oh no, what happened? Not that that is necessarily not. That's more of a fantasy than reality in itself. I think for a lot of people, it's like if if only the whole world would pay attention to you, Uh, they don't really. Uh, But um, but just just the idea of like, if you want to fight this kind of currency of sensation, I would not necessarily fight it by shaming or denying or blocking the sensation, but by presenting some sort of other model that also acknowledges and satisfies the desire for this sensation. If you if you impugn the sensation, and the desire for the sensation, then you align yourself with that kind of internal discourse within this kind of, of art, right? Uh, for this kind of transaction. Your, your part is already written into it. If you're a person who's saying like, this is bad, this is wrong, you're bad for liking this, you're wrong for liking this, that energy is already in the thing that the person is watching. You're not adding anything. And you're not actually, you know, changing anything. What I'd be curious to see are ideas about how to understanding that everybody has wants like this. How do you, uh, you know, deal with them and satisfy them in a more positive way? What kind of modeling? I mean, we were talking about this a lot on the back end. You know, we, we talk about it and we don't publish things that are too controversial where we feel like it's not really our place. And I don't want to delve into super duper controversy here. But one thing I will say is that there is a real shortage of positive modeling of sexual experience in pop culture. Uh, There's just a real shortage of like people in pop culture who have a sexual relationship and it like goes well and is nice and people treat each other well. And there isn't some sort of like really weird or problematic kind of thing where everyone's awkward and nobody knows what they're doing. Like there's nothing you could look at and be like, see, that's the person that you should be like. You know, that, and then this would be helpful. <laughs> this would be helpful for people. And also, by the way, when you watch it, you will, in, you know, you can enjoy the same sort of satisfaction that you would if you're watching something where someone is getting punched in the face. Right. Like e- either during or before, during or after uh, where it's like, oh, man, you know, why they got to be punching people in the face? This is not what I came here for. Yeah, I think but I- there's nothing else, you know, like so. I, th- I I
0: agree. I mean, I agree with you in in the abstract. I think in practice, it's yeah. it's a lot harder, right? Because like, there's nothing, nothing. I know this from when I quit soda, like nothing. <laughs> No, I'm nothing, saying, r-
1: nothing compares to you. Is what you're saying. N-
0: nothing, like, nothing tastes as good, right? Like okay. it was a long process of you know, and I, I was a fiend for Dr Pepper. I was like really pounding, but you know, can after can. But like once you've had that like super engineered, you know, industrially manufactured sort of corn syrup uh, sensation, right? Like once you've had that that, and then just all the stuff that goes around, uh, goes around it. The colors, the the coldness of the can, the. Sound, that it makes, you know, and if you think they don't, like, focus group that and, like, engineer it to within an inch of your life, you're an idiot. They totally do. Uh, Like, that whole that whole kind of constellation of exp- of experience around that and then like nothing you know like after when i honestly when i was really observant on the paleo diet i could eat like a strawberry like a slightly underripe strawberry you know and it would be like this is the most amazing sweet sensation that god has put on the earth but you're just not going to get that like uh without a substantial detox period if you have a system that's accustomed to to, you know, mainlining the corn syrup um, in a way that mine was with uh, with soda before I before I quit cold turkey. Um, you know, and I stayed I stayed quit cold turkey because I, I knew there was kind of no moderate position possible with me on that uh, on that particular one, and that's not really a, a, a life choice that I I expect to be able to ask a lot of other people uh to make even though it would be you know sort of manifestly manifestly good for them right and so like the the yeah i I mean i think that there there is a sort of i mean there is a sort of tendency to collapse a lot of things together these days that 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 don't belong together um the uh you know, I think a lot of these things, if they kind of lived and died at the level of like private thoughts you know uh expressed fleetingly between friends and then rejected right like we'd we'd be better off frankly, not shining a spotlight on some of that discourse mm. uh so so we have this tendency of like um collapsing kind of public and private, collapsing like the thought and the deed uh you know and and collapsing what what i guess would be called like id drives in psychoanalysis right with like the adult expression or sort of uh mediation of those things in in actual point of fact um that said you know th- that said like it, it we are animals and we can't be conditioned right like we're not we're not better than statistics and we're not better than our psychologies uh right we're not we're sort of in 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 certain ways we're not any more we're not any better than the average of us is right and that like uh you're not going to wean people off of the the um the you know super distilled stuff um with a uh uh you know with a, a nice half hour sitcom about um about some people who are uh, I mean honestly like Homer and Marge seem like the best uh seem like the best married <laughs> sitcom couple that we have right
2: because I was just like having the same thought yeah <laughs> because
0: they like they actually they're they're depicted in bed like getting cuddly and cuddly and sexy together like and it's sort of it's sort of sweet and that they uh that they you know um manage to kind of work things out together and it's you know it's a farce, so it's not you know it shouldn't be taken literally but like right like uh, I, that's actually not a terrible
2: one i think they are of average body type of average attractiveness yeah uh, of middle age
0: yeah in middle uh, d- middle class you know downwardly mobile yeah <laughs> <laughs> right exactly the the uh you know old energy and and that's uh
1: because um, well, what? Because it's like a lot of this stuff happens in the context of an, of an intimate personal relationship. And what, what I guess what is that there's like stakes, right? And I don't mean in the sense of S T E A K S and kind of meat satisfaction, although that is sort of subliminally present. But stakes like in, in any sort of situation that involves a sensation, the sensation can be somewhat heightened if there is a uh, meaning and importance associated with it, and an occasion or stakes uh, and context you know, like, I, I would have said context
0: but but same thing yeah same.
1: context but context context with a a, uh, a normalization around greater or lesser uh, winning or losing living or dying and that there's a there's sort of a vector to the to the context that's associated with it and I feel like the sensations around sexuality crave this kind of contextualization, some sort of vector of winning, losing, living, dying, good or bad, right? And that this vector is often manufactured around social relationships in which sex probably shouldn't happen. <laughs> and and yet there are social relationships in which sex probably should happen. And you don't see sensational sexual entertainment that is oriented around those vectors as much right and and Homer and Marge are like that. That's a situation in which it would make sense for people to have sex that would make their sex better. Like if Homer and Marge were not married and just met at a bar and went home and had sex, it would not be notable. And we would probably not be speaking of it fondly, right? But uh, but if they, you know, love each I mean, other good good and we for know them. their family, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it,
0: it means yeah. more. Like good for them if they're both into it. You know, that's a yeah. that's a uh, certainly a way to pass a Thursday. But the yeah. uh, you know, but like in the in the context and with the uh, with the the kind of the the tonnage of experience um, attached to it.
1: No, oh! <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, I believe. That's called annoyed grunt in the script, right? (laughs) That's um, which is what uh, never mind. Uh, the uh, uh, right, like yeah, it it has its its meaning, and that's you know, that's a that's a uh, a situation where, as you say, sex should happen, like, and it's it's good that it does, it's a sign, it's a sign of the health, right, of that situation that you know, uh. The, the sexual aspect is, is working for them in a way that works for them, you know, yeah. and that like uh, if it weren't, we would have all kinds of questions and, and be going to all kinds of counselors, you know.
1: You know, this is probably a great opportunity to transition into the Dante's Peak to the volcano that is Fifty Shades Freed,
0: which is, of course, the Netflix series The Crown, season two. Yeah, that right? I mean, that racy, you know, that racy s and uh, you know. It's all about power
1: relationships and fancy costumes and fancy cars and big houses. Right, exactly. And connubial uh, drama, right, is, is what it's all about. Uh, but, I mean, actually, it is kind of apt because it comes at the problem from a kind of another direction. Like, I mean, Mark, you've seen the Crown season two, right? Yeah, season one and season two, fantastic I, stuff. Yeah, so Crown season two. I love Crown season two. Super great, better than Crown season one in my book. Uh, very underappreciated. I'm as, excited. As sort
0: of I'm excited by that. I've seen. I've seen season one and and have yet to to uh, dive in.
1: Yeah, and so I don't think we need to get spoilery about it, but I can mention a few things. And one is that season two of the Crown makes a great deal visually out of the layout of the beds of the king and the queen or the sorry the queen and the prince consort of the united kingdom that queen elizabeth has her bed in a room and then there is a hallway and at the other side of the hallway prince philip has his bed right and that there are doors that go out from the queen's bedroom into the hallway and from the hallway into the prince's bedroom mark do you want to carry this forward to a further explanation of kind of what happens
2: well, yeah, so the, the, it becomes a very physical manifestation of the difficulties of the relationship, Yeah, let's put it that way, and the ebbs and flows. And um, not surprisingly, sometimes they do share a bed. Um, yeah. You see the two of them together in a bed, but most often you see them apart and together, and you yeah. just get the sense of this huge gulf between the two of them. Yeah,
1: the camera lingering on the open door. The open door that leads to the other person's bed and when that bed is empty or when that bed is full and what that means. And this, this to me all smacks of the kind of stakes that can be associated with a fictional depiction of sexual relationship. That, that like you know you could you could make well, a of Queen Elizabeth and
2: Ken, Prince Philip. Yeah, fictional based on 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 yeah. uh, on true story.
1: I think of The Crown as fictional, but I'm sure. I mean, yes, it's based on a true story. I don't I don't know if it happens beat for beat exactly the same. Probably not, but yes. But but The Crown season two is very concerned with what it takes to keep relationships together, and also the importance of kind of physical intimacy and physical connection. In couples, and the role that it has in relation, not just to sort of social relationship, but then social relationship through this sort of crazy town kaleidoscope into sort of like global consequence. That that the sort of the world kind of hangs on, in certain ways, the relationship between the queen and her consort. And and it's sort of like microcosm and macrocosm, like the shield and, you know, the shield would have like the big, scary crime boss problem with who's kidnapping little children and burying them or whatever. And then and then this and there would be like the city and all the corruption in the city. And it would all boil down to like the strike team and the family unit as the microcosms for this large social problem. And you're watching. The social the large social problem is kind of about the family and the family is kind of about the large social problem. We've talked about this a lot with a lot of different sorts of things. And the crown is kind of like this with regards to uh, friendship and sexuality, friendship and sex and love and duty and, and promises, uh, which I'm sure a lot. I mean, you could probably say that most romances involve all these things. But season two of The Crown really draws them out. And I think poetically entwines them. The ideas of kind of restraint and freedom. Uh, the idea of kind of the, the physical self and then the sort of clothed self. There's a lot of beards that have a very powerful <laughs> uh, symbolism that are related to kind of uh, potency, but but a sort of a potency that's kind of misdirected. Uh, people grow people grow beards in the Navy, which they're not supposed to do. And so there's this sort of sexual aspect that's also forbidden. And you kind of are intersecting with not the same stuff that's in Fifty Shades Free, but it's not that far away from it. It's still about this idea of like, I want to feel this sort of potency and satisfaction. Uh, um, and there's sex that happens, you know, and some of it's good and some of it's bad, Um but but this idea of like the relationship between the queen and the consort creates the stakes in the situation, the context for the connubiality that takes place in much the same way that it's like, I'm a crazy executive with a helicopter in a pain room, like also creates like stakes and context and consequences for uh, the connubiality that takes place in the Fifty Shades series. Or I'm a vampire, and he's a werewolf, and you're a high school student. Uh, or like, you know, I'm Captain Kirk and you're Rod Weasley and this is a strange corner of the internet. What brought you here? Like I mean, that kind of yeah. thing. Adult Rod Weasley. <laughs> after the epilogue, of course. But,
0: I mean, <laughs> in, in, in The Crown, the pain room is in 10 Downing Street. Am I right? Up top. Snape slash Tupac. Uh, Tupac, not Tupac. I was going to say Tuvok,
1: not Tupac. <laughs> but Snape slash Tupac and Snape slash Tuvok are two different fandoms. Uh, but... <laughs> But you see what I'm saying, right? This this idea of, like, it's the seasoning. It's the sensation in the seasoning. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't blame people seeking the sensation for accepting the seasoning that is presented to them, because the drive to seek the sensation is so strong. I mean, if Matt is having such difficulty with soda that he has to go cold turkey or not seek out, out at all, you know, imagine how people feel about, you know, this other stuff, which has a sort of, uh, maybe not stronger biological urge associated with it, but, you know, one that, that uh, kind of commands a greater degree of action for its satisfaction. No, nope, the,
0: the, oh. the urge to uh, drink Dr. Pepper is the strongest biological urge of all.
2: I promise you that. <laughs> mm. And they didn't give us anything for that. So... <laughs> let, let me take this in a slightly different direction with The Crown, um, because, but it's at the same time connecting it with the other conversations we're having about uh, divisions of sex and porn and things like that. Um, in a way, in a way, is The Crown a certain type of pornography or at least like um, distilled sensational depiction of wealth and status Mm. with it's like the lavish sets and the wealth and the cars um, and the clothes um, and uh, the true, the truest sense of royalty um, and birth and privilege.
0: Well, Mark will never be
2: Royals. <laughs> but, the, the, but we can live. Well, we can live that fantasy.
0: I mean, in the well, and there, there's the right. There's the thing, right? Like literally, I think in Greek, uh, pornographia is prostitute writing. You know, mm-hmm. and that, uh, that, so it's not prostitute writing, right? But, um, but, uh, it, in the sense that everything is, is called porn these days. I mean, and that's, that is an interesting. Food porn. Yeah, exactly. Gadget porn. Yeah. Gadget, right? All those, all those things. Like, uh, um, we are, yeah, these days we are all, we are all porn and everything is pornographic, right? Like that, uh, which is an interesting thing about the culture and kind of how, how we look, how we look at, what we think the relationship between uh other people's media consumption, not ours, of course, but other people's media consumption <laughs> and uh and their sort of base instincts, or it kind of makes the instincts uh as seem base anyway um right like uh in the sense that it is about a a representation of a potent fantasy space. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Right. Like that's, that's, uh, that's sort of what it's for. I'm not sure in that respect that it's any different from, you know, a, a movie in which you drive a car out of a building, uh, you know, turn around holding two semi-automatic pistols in your, in your hand and, you know, fire off a couple rounds at the bad guys before your parachute kicks in and you, you know, I don't know, something, something Abu Dhabi, right? Like the, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, you know, the, both in terms of the, the level of, uh, the kind of the quantity of sensation, uh, on offer and the kind of the quality, the kind of intense quality of that sensation. Um, and also in terms of like gratifying, you know, some sort of, some sort of desire for, for power, like, uh, you know, 50 shades. I mean, almost, it's almost not the sex I, you know, I would imagine, uh, it's, uh, it's the fancy cars and the helicopters and the, the. The Swiss chalets and the way, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Do they go to a Swiss chalet or the, 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 uh, fancy houses? I'm sure there's more than one fancy house, right? Like, um, the, that's the, you know, that's almost the, the, the object of the, the object of the, of the fantasy and is, is particularly cruel, um, you know in a time of of economic precarity and also uh uh extremes of of wealth inequality to uh yeah. to flaunt that stuff.
1: And I think we should consider in the context of this that there are these that I think a lot of the most successful highbrow entertainments include the lower brow entertainments within their scope in the sense that you can watch the crown just for the fancy outfits and and i i would even say downton abbey was more like this than the crown is in its indulgence in the uh sensation of opulence of uh, privilege and nobility the crown is a little bit more like uh the, here's the thing the crown <clears throat> excuse me the crown is, the, the, the sound, the tra- we've talked about this before, the trademark sound of the crown is a clasping necklace, a slamming door, a shutting door. It's like a heavy clack that signifies a certain quality. And that this is, this is worked into the soundtrack of The Crown quite a bit. And I think of it as sort of the trademark of The Crown sound mixing. Whether that's you know, necessarily empirically true or not is up to you to judge. But that's what I've noticed. And I would compare it to in Mad Men, the trademark sound is the swishing of fabric against fabric. And, uh, and that that, in that sense, the sort of starchy fabric against the starchy fabric. There's this tactile sense of running uh, something along a surface that feels erotic. In the way that the people in Mad Men take on and put on their jackets or like, you know, move the sheets on a bed. And, and it's, the, you know what I'm talking about, the kind of thing. It's, it's very swishy. Sure. Um, whereas the crown, there's like a closing door. <laughs> Sorry. Um, where there's a closing door and then there's a barrier. And in that sense, it's like a little bit less indulgent. But The Crown does work in this way, in much the same way that Breaking Bad works as a straightforward Scarface story if you don't care about the other stuff. And you can argue, well, the other stuff is there and it proves that it isn't that. Yeah, but, you know, if you don't care, you can still watch it and enjoy that it's about, like, a guy who's down on his luck who gets a bunch of guns or whatever and blows up people. You know, it's like... You can enjoy it on that level, I guess. Well, and
0: there, there, there was a, I mean, and there was a movement to kind of like uh, shame the people who were who to to criticize. I shouldn't say shame. I dislike that as a verb. Um, the uh, to criticize the people who who were supposed to be enjoying it on that level, right? Like, uh, um, well, there was also a, a misbehavior
1: by a lot of those people <laughs> and that that sort of complimented it, and I would say the misbehavior being the, like online cruelty against Skylar White where people be like, I hate the wife. I hate the wife so much. She's the worst because she keeps him from having fun. Right. It was like she keeps him. He would be able to do all this was for a stupid wife. Always get in the way. And it's like, dude, I mean, you know, and when you're saying that there's kind of implications because you're saying it in public to a lot of people and it kind of like you're being mean and, you, and there's like associations between that in real life. And it's like, I know there's levels of extraction, but kind of ways that people talk about it, they get kind of cruel. And in that sense, there's a bit of a backlash against people who see Breaking Bad only as a crime thriller because there's also like a gross misbehavior by people who see Breaking Bad only as a crime thriller like speaking out publicly in a very hateful and nasty and cruel way to people who are listening to it and might hear it in a different context but then again as you've said I think this connects to what you said before wherein these sorts of enjoy these violent delights have violent ends is not necessarily the case but but I would say that these violent delights ought perhaps to be enjoyed in private to a greater degree so that you don't share what you think about it with absolutely everybody which I guess means we've made a fatal mistake in
0: recording this podcast uh, <laughs> oh no! It might be. Uh, like we we might have to pull the ripcord and and get out. Wait, quick, Pete! Slam the door! Slam the door!
2: <laughs> Guys, what was the safe word? We didn't establish the safe word before uh, we started the podcast. Uh,
0: well, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, th- I think we know. I think we know very well what the safe word oh, is. Oh, you're
2: right. Yes, we do have. Yeah, we
1: have a safe word built into our podcast that we say every single time. <laughs>
0: so until next week, when we say the. Safe safe word again please join us on the web at overthinking it where we subject the popular safe word to a level of safe word it probably it probably
2: doesn't, doesn't deserve. Ru- rutabaga rutabaga <laughs>